Well, good morning to you. Hey, for me, it's March 17th. It's Thursday morning. I don't know when this is for you, but whenever it is, I hope you have a great day. God bless you. Thanks for listening. I am Danny Smith, and this is DK Ministries Proclaiming the Word podcast. And today, uh, we are continuing our discussion of the seven things that Jesus said from the cross. And if you will turn in your copy of God's Word or get your copy of God's Word and open it to Luke chapter 23, beginning of verse 34, uh, we'll begin our study. Now, if you're not where you could get God's Word, if you'll write that down, or maybe you've got one of those memories that can remember everything. I do not have one of those memories. <laughs> maybe you do, and if you do, then use it and go back and read this scripture. Luke chapter 23, verses 34 through 43. So Luke 23, 34 through, uh, 34 through 43, as you're getting your copy of God's Word, as you're opening your copy of God's Word, I just want to remind you, this is, as I said, D.K. Ministries Proclaiming the Word Podcast. Hey, I'm Danny Smith, your Bible teacher, and you can contact us at dspreacherman@gmail.com at gmail.com, dspreacherman at gmail.com, all lowercase. We'd love to hear from you. Let us know what you think. Give us your prayer requests. We put them on our Facebook page when people say, hey, yeah, this is public. There are a lot of people say, no, just pray. Don't, don't print this. We do that as well. And so I hope that you'll let us know if you've got a prayer request, prayer, prayer need you'd like us to pray about. So dspreacherman at gmail.com, all our case. And as I've mentioned, you can look on our, our Facebook page, a lot of different things there. We have a prayer list that you can look and pray for. We we have um, videos and uh, of sermons and different things. So I hope that you look at that. Now, if you were going to get God's Word out, if you were going to open it to Luke chapter 23, you're there now. And so we're going to do this and uh, just kind of read this passage of Scripture together, talk about it for... Well, for a few moments anyway. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood, and looked, uh, stood looking on. But even the rulers with him steered, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering his, him sour wine, uh, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription also was written over him in, in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew, this is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But others answering rebuked him, saying, Do, not, do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we justly, for we received the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus uh, said to him, Surely I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, this is the second saying of Jesus on the cross. We looked at uh, the first and last time we were together. Go back and look at the, uh, uh, you won't look at it, but listen to the podcast. And you'll see as we looked at that, uh, first, that first saying, you know, Father, forgive them. And then, of course, we always complete it for they know not what they do. But this is the second time that Jesus uh, spoke and he promised, he assured a man uh, about having a place in paradise. Now, we don't have time to go back and review everything that we find here, but I do want to remind you that in, in the words of the crowd, in, in the things that were said or sneered or snickered or, or, threw, or threw toward Jesus, uh, three times there was the if, if he was this, if he was this, if that, if that. And, and, and what they were doing um, would just say, hey, you know, we don't really believe, and if we see this, we'll believe, if we believe that, we'll see. But then the thief on the cross, the one that... Um, well, the one that gets all the all the press, all the ink, the ones that the one we know about, and the one that we think about, he wasn't infinite. He said, "When, when you come into your kingdom, remember me." And it it was clear that that man, that person, had come to a different place. He had come to see who Jesus was. He had come to see 
what Jesus had done, what Jesus was doing, and what was going on. I, I, I don't, you know, I can't explain everything about it. I can't, I can't tell you uh, what happened or what changed this man's mind or what brought him to a place where he understood that. But he did see, he did understand, and he did come to the place where he accepted uh, Jesus' power and authority to bring him, if you will, into eternity. As I was dealing with this passage of Scripture, and I thought about how you become a win person, when you come into your kingdom rather than an if person, I realized there has to be a moment. There has to be, a, there has to be something that happened. Now, for the thief on the cross, he looked at, um, well, he looked at what the crowd did. As they sneered, they snickered, and everything else, and they looked at what Jesus did. And, and, and there's something that happened within him that brought him to that win moment. As I was preparing to share this at Taylor Creek Baptist Church, uh, uh, where I'm pastor, I, a few days before that, I met a young man who told me his story. Now, I don't know about you, but I love the power of a story of, some, of a life that has been changed by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I shared that story with our church Sunday morning. And I don't know... Um, to me, it made it, it, it tied in with becoming win, and not just if. Becoming a person who accepts and doesn't let it pass by. I, I can't tell you what the church thought, but it, it ministered to me, and I've decided <clears throat> to share with you this morning, as I believe it, it reflects that that transition in life that goes from if, if you you know people bargain with God all the time and they lose that. Because God is not, God is not in negotiation with us. And so I'm going to tell you the story that a young man told me about his life. And I'm going to change his name today uh, because uh, sometimes podcasts go on and, and I certainly don't want to embarrass this guy. And he goes around and tells the story to other people and tells them places and I don't want to take the thunder away. So we're going to call him Bob today. His name is Bob. <clears throat> but it's his friend that Bob really talks about when he shares his story. His friend was a believer. And according to Bob, he turned down two music contracts before his senior year in high school. And, and the reason he did that is he, he said that he didn't want to entertain people sitting on the bar stool as much as he wanted to sing the praises of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Bob said that his friend, no matter what happened in life, that his friend said, I'm going to stick by you, brother. And even though Bob went down the road of drugs and alcohol, indeed, his friend stood by him. Bob told stories he, as he looked at me and he said, my problem got so bad with drugs and alcohol that those I did drugs and alcohol with told me that I had a problem and they no longer wanted to be around me as I was a danger to them. And he said, he laughed, he said, what do you mean? We do this together. But I said, oh, no, 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 you, you've gone too far. You've crossed the line. So Bob told his friend and his friend said, don't worry about them. And they promised that he could turn his life around but regardless what happened, that he would stand with him. Bob appreciated the, the loyalty of his friend and the commitment to sharing the truth of Jesus Christ. And they became even closer. And apparently, even though, <clears throat> even though Bob hadn't turned his life around, they would ride home from school together. In fact, one day was a report card day. Now, this was not yesterday. Uh, if this was yesterday, report cards would come home a totally different way. Many of our young people don't know what it's like to do the following, and that's actually bring your report card home. <laughs> now, <clears throat> they were being mailed to the house. Now they may be posted on. I don't even know anymore. 
You may go on the school site and look them up. I hear so many different things, and <clears throat> and our kids are grown, so we don't have to uh, do that. But there was a day, there was a time, and I remember the day, and I remember the time, when report cards were placed in students' hands, and they had to take them home. And Bob's friend's report card was not quite, well, wasn't quite what he was hoping for. Now, Bob didn't say his friend failed anything. He just said that it wasn't quite what he's hoping for. Uh, some parents, you know, they have expectations. They want A's and don't like B's. Uh, some parents are just happy that you, you know, that, <laughs> you know, that, okay, so you passed it. I don't know what the case was, but Bob's friend knew that he would have to give an account for his report card he got home. So in that 1967, totally refurbished Dodge Charger, they were going 42 miles an hour, which is a good safe D speed. But a truck hit them going 120 miles an hour. Bob said the last act of his friend was to do the mother seatbelt thing. And I, I was, as I was standing there, he, he talked with his hands like a lot of us do, by the way. <laughs> and he, he did the mother seatbelt thing and threw his arm out uh, to symbolize his friend's last act in life was to throw his arm out and do everything he could to protect him. The driver of the truck who hit them lived for an hour and eight minutes. Doctors said that he'd had so much alcohol and so much drugs in his body that his heart just wouldn't quit. Just friend, Bob's friend, Bill's friend, whatever the name was gonna be, whatever the name is, it doesn't matter. Bob's friend, right? trying to change names on you, but shouldn't. Bob's friend died instantly. His last act on earth was an attempt to <coughs> protect the one he promised he would be there for. Bob survived. And this is where his story becomes more personal. Bob knew what his friend had always told him, what his friend had always shared with him. Bob knew that his friend was okay because his friend had made it clear that when he left this world, he would be in the presence of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. No one on the medical staff thought Bob would survive. Bob said he had so many surgeries that he, well, it was hard to count or hard to keep count. Bob's dad had been listening to Bob share a story. And this part of the story I'd heard before, but not in Bob's presence. And Bob looked at his dad and said, why don't you tell this part? And his dad did. Doctors would say, you know, that Bob wouldn't go make it. Just wouldn't go make it. And there was a moment, his dad said, where a father and a mother and a pastor went to the Lord in prayer and begin to ask God to do some things in Bob's life. And one of the things they asked for God to do was, you know, take the swelling of the brain which was taking place and lessen it. They would take and allow Bob's mom and dad to go into the ICU room to see Bob every once in a while. And there was a box that was measuring things. And after three or four visits, Bob's dad said, you know, I finally asked what that box was. 
And they said, well, that's measuring the swelling of his brain. And they didn't explain how it worked. They didn't tell him, well, you know, if you get this, you get that. But Bob's dad knew what that meant. They continued to go in that room and Bob's dad began to focus on that. He described it as a little box looking thing. Now, remember, this is back in the 90s and things in hospitals were a little different back then. So I don't know that I'd seen this particular box before. I'm sure that I probably had. Uh, because back in the 90s, I was in the ministry and been in ICU rooms where people were having brain swellings. But I don't remember this particular kind of box. But Bob's dad told the story of going in that ICU room and looking at that box and looking at the number. And he noticed, or began to notice, that the numbers weren't going up. And after a few more visits, he asked the nurse, he said, uh, What's the numbers mean now? And the nurse, I don't know, male or female, I don't know, looked at Bob's dad and said, well, the number now tells us his brain's not swelling anymore. And that seemed to be a turning point for Bob. Something happened. Over time, doctors went from saying that Jeff could not and would not survive, or Bob or Bill, saying that we cannot explain him. One doctor. For the life of me, as I've listened to Bob tell his story, I can't understand this. One doctor seemed upset that Bob was going to survive. In fact, he spent he spent a great deal of time one day <clears throat> telling Bob all the things he would never do if he survived. Bob told him he would survive. And do many of the things he said he would not do because by that time, He'd come to understand that Jesus has the last and only word that counts about life and death. You see, by then, Bob had confessed his faith in God's ability to make a way, even when men said there was no way. And he told that doctor that, based on what he'd seen in his friend, and the doctor laughed. <laughs> he laughed at Bob's faith, and he laughed at Bob's presence. And then he told Bob he'd never get any better than he was in that moment. In other words, it would have been better had he not survived. Now, this is an aside. This is something that I'm just going to tell you for true transparency of the story. That doctor lost his job, was no longer able to practice medicine in the state. And the state next door either, apparently he was practicing medicine in both places because his boss hurt him trying to take Hope away from the patient. That's something doctors are not supposed to do. I have no clue what happened to him, but I hope he learned from what happened in Bob. The medical staff no longer tried to take away Bob's hope. Doctors continued to tell parents, however, or tell Bob's parents, however, that if he lived, Bob would never, and then they'd have this list of things that he would never do, preparing them for living what many of them thought would not be much of a life. Well, on that afternoon, standing in his driveway, Bob showed me his scars. He told me his story. He told me about all the things he had been through and all the things the doctor said. But more than that, he told me about his friend, who he said is all right. As Bob spoke, here's the way I came to think about it. 
And maybe it's because I was looking at this passage of Scripture and knew that we were going to be talking about the things that Jesus said from the cross. And I wanted to connect it. And I thought, you know, just as Jesus kept his word to the thief on the cross, that today he was with him on that day in paradise. So he kept his word to Bob's friend. And he, too, like the thief on the cross, is in paradise. And for Bob, well, for, for Bob, he was given the gift to live here on earth for a little while longer. Bob made it clear to me that the Lord's keeping the same promise he made to the thief on the cross. And that while his, Lord went on, while his friend went on to be with the Lord in paradise, he's been living in his presence right here. And Bob, well, he now tells his story. A story about how a man who was told over and over again, there was no way to learn that there is a God who makes a way. Yes, Bob loves to talk about his friend. But he, like his friend, now glorifies our Lord who keeps all his promises. It took a long time to tell that story, and I know that. I'm not sorry for it. I'm just aware that that doesn't leave us a lot of time to finish this podcast. But it brings us to the place where I want to tell you what I want to tell you now. Over the years, I've heard a lot of people say lots of things about heaven. Lots of things. And I've heard lots of words describe heaven. Uh, this word paradise that Jesus used is only used a few other times in the Bible. There are many other words that are used. Don't worry about the noise. I can't do anything about that. But some years ago, there were, was for a time preachers who would say three, well, they would say three things about heaven, two of which I've remembered for whatever reason. I never could remember the third one, so I've added one. And so as I thought about Bob and I thought about Bob's friend and I thought about that thief on the cross, I thought about those funerals I attended some years ago, where three, four, five, six times in a row. I mean, it was just one right after another. These preachers, different guys, would stand and remind us of something of heaven. And it would go something like this. Heaven is a prepared place. Bob's testimony and his friend's reality. And at these in the cross, reality is very clear that heaven is a prepared place. Jesus' word to the thief was, today you'll be with me in paradise, a reminder that heaven would be ready when the time, when the moment came and he left here. And I believe that it was. The second thing that they would said, or they would say, excuse me, and this may not be an exact quote, but a long time, <clears throat> but the second thing they would say is, well, it's a prepared place for <clears throat> a prepared people. And in those funerals, they would, they would always make the point that you don't go to heaven unprepared. Now, you may get prepared <coughs> at the very last second. I don't know that that happens that often. We don't have many thief on the moment, thief on the cross moments uh, to really look back on. I do know this, though, in his power and his majesty, Jesus has granted the authority to, to have that preparation made in an instant. But also know and understand that the Bible teaches if you're not prepared, you're not going. 
And as they said, it's a prepared place for prepared people. And then I thought about a way to end the story about the thief on the cross. Those two things stood out to me from those funerals messages I heard long ago. Not mine, <laughs> not my truth. I'm not stealing them. I'm just not giving credit to who said it first because I have no clue who said it first. And I know lots of people said it since, so, you know, you can't credit. So, what I think about Bob, when I think about that thief, when I think about you and I, I'm reminded that heaven is a prepared place for prepared people that awaits the prepared time. For the thief on the cross, it came the day that Jesus was crucified. For Bob's friend, it happened in a moment when he was going 42 miles an hour. For Bob, for you and me, he hadn't arrived yet. But my prayer is today that when the moment arrives, that when the time comes, that prepared place will be ready for us because we're a prepared person. And when the prepared time comes, we are ready to go. The thief on the cross found his moment. And for centuries, his story has been told. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Bob tells his story about his friend. He tells a story about himself. I wonder if you can tell your story. And it ends with a thief's dust, where Bob's friends does, and where Bob's will. This has been DK Ministries Proclaiming the Word podcast. I am Danny Smith, your Bible teacher. We thank you for listening to our podcast. Let us know what you think. Uh, dspreacherman at gmail.com all are okay dspreacherman at gmail.com really pretty simple once you think about it it stands for Danny Smith Preacher Man at gmail.com all are okay dspreacherman at gmail.com my children picked out my email address and I love it and so no sense telling me hey you know it would be easier to remember if you did this no no we're keeping that you can listen up on the Facebook as my friend says and um, we've got prayer you got prayer list got everything there but just well, as we go, thank you for listening. God bless you. We finished our discussion of this second saint on the cross. just want to remind you, heaven is that prepared place for prepared people that await the prepared time. And the question is, will you or are you ready? God bless you. We will see you next time.